Welcome to HBW's Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley and I'll be chatting with industry experts and insiders about the latest trends, issues and intelligence in consumer healthcare. In this episode, HBW Insights speaks to Simon Kutcher and partners about the latest trends in preventative consumer health. Partner Christian Rebholtz and Senior Director Lorenzo Iandi explain the findings from the company's recently published Better Health Report, which reached out to almost 3,000 respondents from across the world. We take a deeper dive into Brazil, where consumers are spending more than average on preventative health, and Germany, where consumers are spending less but are turning to digital tools thanks to government support. We also find out what consumer health companies can do to respond to a growing awareness of mental health, especially among women and the younger generation. Hi there, so uh, welcome to the Over the Counter podcast, Lorenzo and Christian. Would you like to just briefly introduce yourselves and uh, also the company that you work for? Absolutely. Hi, David. Nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm a partner at Simon Kutcher and Partners, working out of the Munich office, and I'm focused on life science and healthcare, and particularly on everything that's related to consumer healthcare. And maybe just as a short introduction to our company, um, Simon Kutcher, we are the um, world leading growth specialist when it comes to strategy consulting. So we really help our clients to grow. And uh, this is what we focus on. So we always call it the sunny side of consulting. We are very happy to have a very big uh, healthcare practice. And this is also what we will try to cover today when we talk about better health. And I'm Lorenzo Andi, I'm Senior Director also at Simon Kutcher. I've been in the healthcare industry for the last uh, about 15 years, uh, almost eight, uh, a bit more than eight actually, uh, with Simon Kutcher, always focusing uh, on growth strategy, pricing uh, topics, uh, and working with uh, Christian and our colleagues in the uh, consumer healthcare practice, of course, uh, since uh, quite some time now. Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I think that our listeners will be very happy to hear about how they can grow more. I think that's always a, a, a big interest to consumer healthcare companies. Um, so you're on here because you have also published a report, haven't you? The Better Health Report. Is this something that is this a kind of a recent iteration of something that you've done before? Or is this a new uh, a new publication or project? Maybe I can start here first uh, before Lorenzo, you can maybe cover the details a bit more. So for us, this is really um, the first time that we have this type of, uh, of a survey. We have done consumer surveys in the past on the healthcare, on different healthcare topics. But for us, the, the whole idea around better health is really something that we feel like is, is very important for us as a company, but obviously also for our clients in the future. And so we wanted to start this uh, as a as an overarching topic this year, not only looking into consumer healthcare, but actually also looking more on the um, medical technology side as well as also on the, the um, traditional reimbursed pharma side. And um, that's why we thought it's a good idea to have this report where we really speak also to the consumers or cover the consumers and um, how they are currently engaging in prevention, as this is a very important part about the whole to- topic of better health for us. And we feel like the industry is shifting slightly in that direction, and it's a very important shift that we that we see in the market, and that's why we wanted to cover it in this study. And we will have similar publications most likely in the future coming up. Yeah, and then I jump with some more detail, and I 
actually want to give you three numbers uh, just to stick you to, to our head. One is 84, the second one is 50, and the uh, third one is 25. So 84, if we start from the beginning, it's the percentage of respondents who actively engage in the prevention, right? Uh, what does it mean? This is uh, really a, a significant share of respondent and consumer. I think we can, uh, we can really say that. And the reason why people engage in disease prevention is really to make sure that they a avoid disease, and this accounts for uh, roughly 23% uh, of, of respondents, but also improve their fitness and prolong their life. So it's really a question of uh, yeah making life better, uh, preventing future diseases yeah, uh, status. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, this is actually quite, uh, quite relevant, especially uh, if you think that, uh, yeah, 50% of the respondents that we actually interviewed um, engage in physical prevention only. So here we make a distinction between physical, um, yeah, physical prevention, uh, mental and physical prevention and mental alone. Uh, I think here it's also quite a, a significant uh, finding. So 50% of respondents engage in physical prevention alone. Uh, and what is even more interesting is that only 5% of respondents engage in mental uh, disease prevention only. And we know that this is one of the key topics also that is raising, especially in the last years and, and uh, after pandemic, yeah. Um, but still only 5% engage in, uh, in mental health uh, topics alone. 25%, uh, uh, which is also quite interesting, I think, um, is uh, the share of younger generation respondents uh, that spend 100 euro per month. Uh, this is also quite, uh, quite high. I would say it's uh, on, the, on the higher end versus the average. <clears throat> uh, especially if you think that 43% of respondents expect to uh, uh, increase, further increase their spending going forward. Um, this is really just to give you a snapshot of a uh, few key figures uh, and that, that give quite a nice overview also for the industry player, how to, uh, to play eventually what kind of uh, uh, segment of the population to target. Maybe just to add, I think, uh, and also looking at the reason why this topic is so uh, important in the future is, I mean, on the one hand, if you look at the different stakeholders, you see that uh, healthcare systems are, I mean, we all know they are currently uh, under tremendous pressure in terms of cost savings and, and, and so on. And on the other hand, uh, with prevention, you could actually get a little bit ahead of the curve and, and really trying to prevent long-term costs with of course, people getting older and, and so on. And that's why I think there's a increasing interest from, from the payer and then healthcare system side of things, but of course also from a um, industry side, because uh, it, it's super um, interesting and attractive if you're not only engaging with your patients when they're actually sick, but if you're actually helping them to stay healthy and, and, and lead a healthier life, which is a completely different type of engagement that you have with, uh, with the consumers and patients rather than only helping them when they feel really bad. And I think this is also something that the industry is starting to, to realize. And then in addition to that, I think from a consumer side of, it's just a general uh, interest both in terms of staying healthy, but also in terms of a lot of social pre pressure actually that, that also is going in that direction to say, well, I wanna be healthy, I wanna be fit, all these type of things play in a, in a similar direction. And then 
with the technical means also now coming uh, more, more from the digital side and so on, you actually now have the tools and the means to engage in a very, very different way and actually have um, um, yeah, also solutions that help you to stay healthy um, um, to simply by, by increasing your motivation and, and so on to engage in those type of activities, which wasn't the case a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, um, Lorenzo, is a really nice overview, but I think also the point that you both make is correct that the consumer healthcare industry is shifting towards prevention. So it's obviously a timely report as well. Maybe you could just say a little bit about the when you say, you know, the percentages of respondents. Who are we talking about here in terms of the people that you are speaking to both? Uh, I understand there's kind of a range uh, in age, where they're from. Um, you know, maybe pre-existing uh, engagement with prevention, et cetera. So maybe a bit of detail there would be good. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually a very good question. So this study has been run uh, by basically surveying uh, almost 3,000 uh, consumers across seven countries. Um, and when we mention this country, we talk about uh, Germany, France, the UK, the US, of course, uh, Brazil and South Korea. Um, and across different, uh, and let's say, uh, almost representative uh, population segments, uh, almost 50-50 uh, male and female. Uh, so it's actually 51-49, <laughs> if we want to be precise. Um, we explored income brackets, so uh, high, moderate and low. Low being below, uh, translated in euros is uh, below 40,000 uh, and high being above 100,000. Actually, 55% of our um, panel is uh, in the low income bracket. Uh, that's also interesting to know. Um, and the rest is equally split between high and moderate. Uh, respondent age group, uh, it's another classical way of, of segmenting respondents. Uh, we have an, a pretty much equal uh, split between uh, the, the 18, 13 brackets. Uh, then 3160 and over 60 uh, years old. Um, then the last, uh, it's actually quite an interesting finding as well. Uh, so our sample also investigated uh, respondents uh, with or without uh, chronic diseases. Um, and our uh, panel is actually 75% of uh, respondents with uh, chronic diseases uh, and, and, 40, and 24% uh, without. And if we have to look at that also in perspective with uh, general incidence of chronic disease in uh, in this market, so we are actually uh, almost the opposite uh, picture. Yes. Uh, generally, we are talking about 65% without and 35% with. Uh, this also drives a little bit our some of our conclusions uh, also going forward in terms of how to interpret this data. But um, overall, I think that uh, the key message here is that we have a relatively representative panel uh, with some significant number of respondents as well across all countries. Um, and it's pretty also evenly split across countries. Yeah, so on the on the countries, I noticed a couple of interesting things. Um, so Brazil, for example, um, seem to spend people in Brazil seem to spend more money than other any other country on on these kind of preventative um, health products or wellness products. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But then at the same time, um, you suggest that this may be 
declining in the future maybe you could say a little bit about brazil this is obviously a huge huge country huge market um perhaps you know a more of a developing market in terms of the consumer healthcare industry growth um so maybe very interesting to find out a bit more about yeah indeed and uh, you're perfectly right in saying that it's uh, an interesting finding I, I think here one of the key to interpret the data <clears throat> is simply that uh, traditionally in brazil there is a strong link uh, i would say between uh, wellness and beauty to some extent um associated as well with some somehow uh, a social pressure uh, to this extent right um and the spending that we see in our report seems to go into that direction so uh, if you look at, at brazil uh, we know that it's one of the most significant countries worldwide in terms of aesthetic uh, market right uh, botox is probably I, I think actually it's, it's the number one medical product uh, sold in Brazil uh, that give us a little bit an idea of what we are talking about, both in terms of uh, what it is uh, that people there look at uh, when they uh, allocate their spending, uh, linked with the social pressure I was talking about. Uh, I think it, it gives us a little bit the explanation why the expenditure is so high uh, compared to the other countries we investigated. Uh, and yet, at the same time, there is also a trend like in most other countries, I would say, uh, we are talking about inflation, about uh, raising cost of uh, more basic uh, uh, needs. I would say foods, uh, uh, rents being probably the, the, the highest priority. <clears throat> and uh, uh, one of the, the other key of interpretation to answer your question is also that most likely respondents are anticipating uh, the need of making trade-off decision going forward uh, when it comes to, okay, do I need to, to, to spend my money on food or, or being, uh, yeah, renting? Or, uh, or on beauty or, or wellness, they might expect some some shift here uh, in the expenditure. Therefore, uh, some yeah, some decreasing going forward. Forward. Maybe maybe just two points to add to that as well. And uh, I mean, one is also that typically we we see a higher um, spending in markets where self care in in general is 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 uh, more important, and due to the fact that uh, sort of the public. Uh, coverage is, is more limited and uh, re reimbursement is more limited so that you traditionally see that people in those countries are actually spending more on healthcare in general and therefore are also more likely to spend on preventative topics whereas in, in other uh, countries it can be exactly the opposite people are just not used to spending anything on healthcare because it's uh, luckily uh, to a large extent free but that also is, is then a bigger hurdle to actually engage in prevention especially as prevention is typically not super high on the radar of the HCPs and the payers so far. So it's, it's simply not what they are fo focusing on or have been focusing on in the past. We see, as I mentioned in the beginning, also a slight shift in that. And actually, Brazil is a good example where uh, the Ministry of Health is actually planning to invest more in, in prevention. They're actually pu publicly speaking about it. So this could be um, uh, also one of the reasons why people are sort of anticipating that maybe they need to spend less because there's going to be a slightly uh, increased coverage when it comes to to, uh, to reimbursement. And this is something where I feel like it's it's also very important for our clients to to think about how can we actually 
support um, um, also topics where there can be more coverage for um, um, preventative solutions, because this is something where, as we said, traditionally, the awareness was not uh, super high or people in, on the on the um, um, yeah, um, uh, state um, um, organizations essentially were behind the curve because they just simply had, had to manage all the acute uh, topics that they have to cover. But now there is an opportunity to actually uh, spend more money on prevention and then therefore reducing sort of the cost long term in the healthcare system. But this is something where they definitely need also the, the support from the industry to help them um, basically provide the evidence how this works, provide sort of the the uh, the examples uh, on how we can save costs in the long run uh, with those type of things, because this is typically not the strong suit of the payers. And I think this could be an interesting topic for the industry as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I suppose what the question is, um, what's happened with Germany then? This was another um, example that I saw that was quite interesting. Uh, they're spending below average in Germany, but this is, I mean, yes, so Germany hasn't got quite a as liberal uh, self-care market as, say, the UK. However, it's a very developed OTC market. You know, Germans are very into prevention. They're very into supplements and herbal remedies. You know, this is a very health-conscious population. Why aren't they spending uh, more than Brazil then? <laughs> I give you some uh, interpretation of data and then I, I let my uh, colleague Christian, who is German, and, and maybe can give you some more uh, first-hand <laughs> interpretation uh, from, from Germany. So when we look at the detail of the report, um, it's actually the low-income segment in Germany who is spending less than the average of the study. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually important to, to keep in mind because uh, that is really what drives this uh, percentage uh, uh, of low spending uh, among German respondents. <clears throat> so uh, to, to, to be specific on numbers, 54% uh, of low income respondents in Germany uh, would pay no more than 20 euros per month uh, on these preventive uh, measures. Uh, while the overall average is rather 32% of respondents. Yeah, so it's uh, just to give you a, a magnitude uh, about that. Uh, and yet, beside this observation, uh, I would rather say that German uh, consumers are, are also a little bit specific or peculiar <laughs> in, in other extents. Uh, for example, 84% um, of them actively engage in disease prevention in line with the study. So this is an in line with the study average. Eh? So it's uh, nothing outlier here. Uh, they use more than uh, more than average AIDS. Yeah. Uh, so 59% uh, of German versus the 53% of the study average. Um, but yeah, still they pay less than uh, than the rest of the respondents. So uh, if I have to observe it uh, from a little bit of an external uh, uh, perspective, um, I don't know. Maybe one question is, uh, do gym cost less in Germany than in other countries? Uh, it could be one of the, uh, the, the, the questions to explore. And of course, it's rather a, a provocative question here. But um, yeah, possibly there is a, a, a less spending uh, but still, as you mentioned in your question, uh, uh, more focus on health. Uh, they invest probably more time also in, in, in sport activities, those kind of uh, uh, yeah, uh, aid and, and, and activities that explain yeah, 
uh, disease prevention and low spending. So let's get uh, Chris's insider perspective then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I obviously agree with, with everything. Maybe just a couple of, of general observations, independent now from the prevention topic. I, I think in, in general, Germans tend to be quite cost conscious when it comes to a lot of those topics also i mean it's the same when we look at for example spending on on food and and things like that it's it's something where i think we uh, we rank among the lowest in, in terms of the the percentage of our income that we spend on on healthy products and food uh, it, i think it's changing with the younger generation now but this used to be something that i think is very hardwired in in uh, in our country and i think this is also something that you can see here reflected in this uh, in this uh, yeah uh, lack of spending in, in terms of prevention and then the other topic i think is really that it's simply not covered very well on the hcp side so it's it's not something that uh, people in the healthcare system spend a lot of time on in terms of recommending also those type of uh, um, solutions i mean we see this also very interestingly i think when we look at for example, digital health solutions and uh, that are going through the DIGA process in Germany, where there is even a coverage for, for the products, but oftentimes the usage is still very low simply because physicians are not recommending uh, those type of products as, as additional solutions to traditional medications and so on. And uh, I think this is, is a, to a large extent an awareness problem that we have here as well. I was going to mention the uh, digital health um the new kind of digital health system that's emerged in Germany. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because it's actually part of the, uh, you know, the the more prescription-based side of the healthcare system. But at the same time, it is also uh, a, a really significant aid to prevention, isn't it? Uh, but Germany is very interested in that that respect. From what I understand, is quite a path-breaking country in in how it's um, put that together. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, um, uh, at least in, uh, in in one digital field, we are we are not behind the curve, maybe in in, in that regard. But um, this is something where I I still I still think it's it's also some it's a topic where we see it's set up well in a sense from a from a support point of view um, um, from the public reimbursement side. But then again, we are right now missing sort of the link then at the end of the day to the patients because. As we said, there's just simply a lack of awareness. There's simply a, a lack of uh, communication recommendation from the HCP point of view. And this is also where you can clearly see that it's not enough that there is a reimbursement for something, but you actually also have to make it accessible to the to the general public. And I think this is the biggest problem that we have here. And of course, it's very different depending on what type of disease you talk about. And some of the chronic diseases um, that um, uh, where, where people are really suffering heavily from, I think here the pickup is of course slightly better, but this is again uh, for for preventative topic. It's it's a bigger hurdle to actually um, get into that set of uh, uh, recommendation, and I think this is probably also again something where the industry can and should work on um, because it's it's they basically have the the power to go to the physicians to talk to them to to make sure that they also cover those things. And I know it's. It's not the easiest because it's not typically uh, it's not just you give a pill on something and that's it right i mean you have to be in, engaged with the with the patients you have to have the time to actually do so which is a bit another big problem and then typically you also need to spend a bit more time on analyzing the data that comes out of it because as we know with prevention it's it's always long term so whatever you do it's not just a one-off thing but you actually have to evolve over time and this can be by a digital algorithm and, and, and ki or, or so uh, artificial intelligence or it should ideally also be supported by the physicians. But then, of course, here, as we know, there is a lack of, of time to actually do so in many cases. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also check out HBW Insight at hbw.sightline.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening. This episode continues now. I was also very interested in in what you said about the mental health aspects, you know, obviously very low level of engagement in mental health. But at the same time, it's arguably one of the most talked about topics in modern life, isn't it? Mental health, the things that are driving kind of um, bad mental health, the things that people are trying to do. You know, people are spending a lot of time, at least on trying to improve their mental health. But it's also exactly what you were saying, Chris there's not really a pill for mental health in a lot of cases or at least well I suppose the point is that people don't actually really want to be taking pills for their mental health um so that's very difficult isn't it that's a completely new uh area especially for consumer health companies isn't it how how do how do companies start to think about this and how do you move that quite low percentage up uh with this yeah, again, maybe I can start on Lorenzo, please feel free to, to, to chime in. Um, I think here, as we already talked about, also the whole digital topic really plays a big, big role, right? Because, I mean, this is something where as a um, as a um, company, I can actually develop solutions that um, um, are very low level access also to people, right? Because it's not something where you necessarily need to go to a physician, which is already the first hurdle. And we interestingly see also in our study, for example, that um, again, not surprisingly, but the the younger generation is, is of course going uh, a lot less to the um, um, healthcare professionals um, as as the older generations. But then again, the younger generation are the ones that are much more open to the whole mental health topic and are actually also willing to spend potentially on that. So that's why I think it's here especially important for healthcare companies to not try to go only via the traditional route of the of the healthcare professionals but actually also open up additional channels um, where um, people have a easy way of, of accessing that and that can be as we said via apps via digital solutions that help them to sleep better to reduce anxiety those type of topics and there is or there are already solutions out there uh, that that actually work directly in that field it's just something that as we all know, it's it's new for those traditional players, right? I mean, typically you often see rather smaller startups working in that field. And then for the um, large consumer healthcare companies, it was often more, I think they, they thought about, okay, let's let's create a digital solution that supports the sales of our physical products, rather than let's let's think about a, a digital solution that by itself really helps the, the patient. And this has many reasons. I mean, first of all, it's a completely shift in mindset. And secondly, I mean, if you think about things like uh, also payment models and 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 then also how you actually uh, create revenue out of that, it's a completely different way of thinking about it, which is, of course, not easy in a very um, established organization that thinks currently very differently and might not even have the digital infrastructure, uh, uh, let alone the accounting or anything like that to actually support topics like this. And that's why it's uh, it's as much as a uh, sort of a medical shift in terms of thinking differently about it and creating those digital solutions that help patients to stay motivated, stay engaged, to track their disease and those type of things, as it is a transformation on the, the company side that is 
uh, oftentimes in our experience with our clients a lot more difficult than one might think. Absolutely. And I was saying at the beginning that only 5% of respondents engage exclusively on mental health uh, prevention. <clears throat> it also tells us that 45% of respondents engage in both physical and mental health, right? So it's a quite a significant share of, of, of people uh, who actually take, a, a, let's say, a holistic approach to their health. Yeah. So it's not any longer only a question of uh, a physical health, uh, being it a, a specific disease or, or uh, yeah, just <laughs> not feeling well, uh, but is a, a complete uh, complete view and shift in the way the consumer act uh, for their uh, for their uh, health. Um, we were mentioning also the younger generation at uh, several uh, points during this uh, this conversation. Uh, I would rather say that uh, younger generation, as also Chris mentioned, are more prone and more sensitive to this mental health topic. Uh, most likely also because it's a question and it's a topic that uh, it's raising and there has been a lot of communication in the media, in, in the society as a whole, I would say in the recent years and for sure the the yeah the pandemic also helped uh, raising this uh, this topic we all heard about uh, students being isolated and and uh, yeah basically suffering uh, from uh, mental health uh, uh, situations uh, so this is certainly something raising and it's something that uh, companies and, and players in this field uh, should also leverage and take into into consideration. Uh, we mentioned uh, uh, also the digital uh, uh, yeah, digital aids, uh, so to say. Uh, the digital aid is certainly also going into the direction of younger generation who are, uh, let's say, typically more uh, technology savvy. Uh, to some extent than the senior one and, and even the, the yeah the, the older generation so to say so it, it is a picture that all in all looks relatively comprehensive into the direction of saying okay there is a, a subject who has uh, who takes care of uh, his or her own uh, health as a whole uh, now how do we approach it of course uh, that, that is the, the the key question and it certainly changes and, and varies by type of uh, yeah uh, any type of uh, supplier uh, activity, I would say. And maybe, maybe again, just to to pick up uh, on what you just said, I think it's interesting that it's not just the younger generation actually that where we see a, a huge difference, but it's actually also when you compare male and female respondents in terms yeah. of uh, their openness to talk about and engage in, in mental health uh, topics. And this is also something where I feel like, uh, unfortunately, the the industry has traditionally neglected that to some extent because everything from clinical trials to just the pure focus has been a bit more male dominated uh, than um, um, than yeah specifically focused also on females. I think this is again another shift that we are starting to see in the industry which I think is super important because there is of course different type of topics different um, different um, uh, yeah also also the way that uh, people think about it, react about it, and and to certain uh, treatments and so on, where we, we just simply feel it's it's on the one hand you need to sort of build your your uh, offering also specific to males and females in that regard, and then of course also the entire communication needs to go into a different way because it's it's also that you would need to communicate differently about 
diseases differently about treatments and so on when you speak with uh, with uh, males versus female respondents. And then, as, as we said before, I think it's important that also when you create the clinical evidence and so on, that you actually make sure that you really can, can um, account for the differences here as well. And I think this is something where, again, it, it goes into the same direction by maybe, maybe the whole mental topic it's been underrepresented because also the FEMA topic has been underrepresented in the past. So I think this goes also a bit hand in hand here. I think you're right. Yeah, the, some of the biggest uh, Rx to OTC switches we've seen in the last couple of years have been in uh, women's health. And you can see that. Um, and I think also with digital or medical devices and stuff, I think from what I understand from colleagues, uh, also women's health is, is, a, is a very fast growing area. Actually also in supplements. So I think, yeah, the, the industry is clearly starting to shift. Um, like you say, it's can be quite difficult. Very big companies traditionally rooted in um, prescription medicines, et cetera. Um, but that's good. So I was interested also about this whole thing about young people. So, yeah, young people more receptive to technology, perhaps more concerned about mental health or at least ha able to articulate their uh, concerns maybe a little bit uh, more easily and yeah have a, a lot of input in in that direction but it's not just mental health either is it with with younger people they're also very concerned about sustainability about um, you know the political situation in the world trust uh, authenticity identity you know this is an extremely complex uh, consumer that we have now in in the younger generations isn't it how do consumer healthcare companies deal with that complexity? You know, we're very used to dividing consumers up into all these categories uh, and just coming up with maybe one or two different variations on a theme. But it's actually what we're talking about now is catering to almost an impossible uh, kind of collection of requirements and needs in a very diverse population. That must be almost impossible. I don't know whether it is impossible. So it's uh, I, I'm really reacting to to what you're saying. I, I think we are picturing here uh, what in marketing is called a segment. Uh, but for picturing these segments, we also need to take into consideration the underlying trends and what you were mentioning about the natural focus, uh, the, the, yeah, the geopolitical situation, all those kind of things are uh, underlying trends that are common to the whole society, right? Uh, younger generation are a bit more uh, maybe uh, sensitive to some of these topics, uh, but uh, I personally believe it's uh, it's something that is transforming the yeah the the, the overall society we are living in uh, in the end. So it, it's really something transformative and uh, in the longer term. Uh, so some of these movements are uh, going already since uh, quite some time. Um, so. I, all this we cannot really extrapolate from the survey <laughs> results itself, but, but I think that uh, in the end, uh, it's a question of yeah, getting uh, the right offering to the market that corresponds to what consumer wants, right? And what consumer are ready and willing to uh, to go for. Um, and again, uh, coming back to, to, yeah, to what we were saying before, uh, it's really a question of uh, highlighting the emerging uh, consumer yeah trying to pick them uh, or uh, picture better their uh, the, the consumer insights which is what marketing ultimately is about 
um, and then bring your offer in a successful way. Uh, being at the edge of innovation, being at the edge of uh, what will be the market uh, going forward. Uh, whether it is natural environment, uh, all these trends uh, that we certainly also uh, see and, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll have a, a separate podcast <laughs> on this topic. Uh, but I think it's uh, th- that's the way to uh, to address these markets. Um, yeah, I like uh, Lorenzo's got very confident uh, that it's not quite as difficult as I was making out. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, well. I think one of the, the topics here is, of course, uh, Lorenzo, you mentioned it already, is that you have to have the information first, right? I mean, you have to understand your customers. And I think here is already the first big hurdle because to do that, you need to be closer to the consumers and closer to your patients. And this means going directly, right, in, in, in one way or, or another and to actually understand all those differences and then start building those segments and see those different sentiments that you that you maybe see in the younger generation or, or also in other, other type of segments. And this is something, again, that traditionally the industry has not been really good at, right? I mean, they, they coming from when you come from a very medical point of view and your main uh, point of engagement are HCPs, then it's a, it's a big, big step to suddenly think about how can I engage much more directly with the consumer and with prevention. You actually have to do it because it's not something where the HCP will be the key drivers of that on a day-to-day basis. There should be ideally, but it's probably not most likely that it's not the case. So you have to be closer to the consumers, and and then you can also start collecting this all these type of informations and that you need to build those segments and then and then act upon them. But um, I, I think for me that there's 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 also a couple of other interesting aspects that go alongside with that because on the one hand. I mean, we see trends uh, uh, in terms of affordability, as we already discussed before. So you actually, there is a, is a case to be made to go for second brands or for 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 even um, uh, white label products and so on. But then again, if you don't have uh, the route by the HDP, there's always a big big problem of uh, lack of trust in, into those pro- uh, products. So on the one hand, you need to build strong brands to actually communicate the the, the value and the trust that uh, that also the younger generation is looking for. On the other hand, you also need to start building uh, offers for um, people that simply cannot afford uh, paying maybe for the, um, uh, the, the yeah, biggest solution or, or the biggest brand, because that's the one thing that we see with prevention in our study also is that, um, again, not surprisingly, but as soon as you have affordability issues in general and, and you're going towards the lower income bracket, that's also where you see the less, uh, least engagement with the prevention. So if you want to access that, you need to come up with new solutions, maybe also new payment, new revenue models and those type of things to actually also make sure that the products are accessible to those uh, um, younger generations that are maybe don't have the, um, the, the disposable incomes to, to pay for the biggest solution that is out there. Yeah, I think that that's wise. Um, that's wise advice. I think. I think one of the things you're seeing where you perhaps de- definitely point into something there is the shift towards having spin out consumer healthcare companies. You know, the biggest consumer health players in the world are now separated from their pharmaceutical uh, parents. And I think, yeah, this is. Now I've had these conversations with um with people in those companies where they're like, well, yeah, now it's because we have to build that expertise in marketing, you know, but not just marketing, because obviously marketing has always been a big part of the industry. But this kind of thing where you have to find out about what consumers want, their trends, all this sort of stuff, maybe the kind of things that, um, I don't know, cosmetics companies were better at or FMCG companies were better in the past. So 
they do need to build that side of their expertise now, don't they? Absolutely. And I think it's also when you talk about segmentation, I mean, it's it's not just the consumer, it's also um, other healthcare players that you need to think about, right? Because, uh, I mean, prevention is to a large extent, as we already discussed, of course, a, a self-driven or patient self-driven topic, but it's not only uh, only that, right? And especially if you think more about the, like making sure that you don't progress in a disease, I mean, taking diabetes or so for, uh, for an example, where of course there is a huge, huge uh, unfortunately, diabetes po- population already today, and it's getting ever bigger. Uh, the question is, how can you actually, for example, prevent uh, um, the progression of the disease? And this is again something where you will definitely need also the HDPs, and you will also need the payers. But here, the problem is, it's almost impossible for them, without the help of the industry, to actually segment the patients in the right way, because. If if somebody's not yet diagnosed, that's probably when you have the greatest potential to influence it and, and, and make sure that it's not progressing. But then you still need to somehow segment the patients and those ones that uh, I don't know are motivated to go with a solution that is actually only maybe a digital offering and a sensor or something like that versus the ones that need a different type of support. And this is something where, in our experience, it's, it's simply the neither the payers nor the HTPs know how to do it. So you as an industry actually need to do it. So it's not just the segmentation from a consumer marketing driven point of view. It's also the segmentation from a sort of patient and how um, how successful are potential prevention measures with different types of consumers and patients. And maybe even then going one step further and then also pay accordingly, right? Where you only pay for certain um, products when there is a success and when people are not dropping out of a program and those type of things to again, make it more accessible also to uh, to the healthcare systems. And I would even add to this point that uh, the healthcare professional are certainly part of this journey. So it's not something that the uh, consumer will do in isolation on their own. Uh, it's also one of the other outcome of, of our study, the, the, the professional per se. So whether they are healthcare professional, trainer, nutritionist, or whatever type of uh, professional, it's certainly one of the uh, levers that the industry can also, uh, uh, yeah, basically work with uh, to be effective. Yeah, to be effective in uh, shaping the industry of tomorrow and the market of tomorrow, because uh, certainly these are uh, going forward uh, quite important still. Okay, well, I think we've had a really wide-ranging discussion and gone into quite a bit of depth. I hope that was all really useful. I'm just wondering, uh, to sum up, um, is there anything that we've missed or are there any kind of key messages that you want consumer healthcare companies that are listening to this to take away from this podcast? I mean, from from my point of view, I think we already covered quite a bit. Uh, I think first, maybe first and foremost, I think they need to expand their offering when it comes to prevention. Maybe we didn't really talk about that yet so much, but I think this is a big topic where simply um, uh, it, it needs to, yeah, it needs to be a broader range of of uh, offerings. And I mean, we see really big players like also Novo Nordisk, for example, going into weight loss. I think it's a big, big topic. I mean, everybody is talking about it, but also more from a digital solution point of view, topics like sleepy or, or daylight that are actually uh, going more into into this mental health topic, and then other things like. Beringer Ingelheim working together with size, for example, to actually uh, uh, work on prevention and, and when it comes to eye, eye, eye care diseases or, or vision loss and those type of topics. I think these are great examples, but basically every company should 
have something like that. And every every company should engage in those type of topics, just to make sure that that, that this is this is really something that's top of mind and on their agenda. I think segmentation we already talked about a lot, so I'm not going into that as as, as much anymore. And then finally, I think for me it's making sure that we increase the awareness and, and facilitate the access really via the different stakeholders, both uh, that the patient in terms of the right offering, offering the right price positioning of those those uh, type of products, as well as the uh, the payers, of course, as, as we said, to support them with the study, with the evidence to actually open up the healthcare system for preventative topics, and then also the HCPs, again, to give them sort of the right value communication, the tools that they think it's worthwhile spending time also on prevention rather than just on, on curing um, acute diseases. So for me, these are probably the most uh, most relevant topics for, for the industry. Lorenzo, anything to add? No, I think uh, Chris made a pretty good summary of the topic. So it's really about engagement, engagement strategy in a broader way. Uh, as we said, it's about the, uh, yeah, the segmentation is key, and again, I come back to the fundamental of marketing. Uh, that is key, uh, will remain key going forward. Here, we just need to keep it open and, and wide uh, because it's not only customer segmentation, it's also really a question of, of uh, yeah, looking at the overall uh, market uh, and taking into consideration that we are talking about holistic health and well-being. Uh, so it's not only physical, it's the whole environment that it's uh, it's becoming more and more important and uh, uh, where yeah, the industry should also uh, have a, a qualified look. And speaking of marketing, of course, everybody can have their own look and download the report if they're interested. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we can put a link to that in the um, in the story that we embed our podcast in. But yeah, I think um, it's been really interesting and it's nice to have you both on the podcast. I really appreciate the time and the expertise that you've um, that you share with us. Thank you, David. Thanks and thanks a lot for the interaction and the very interesting questions you asked. Yeah, thank you also from my side, and uh, it was really nice speaking to you today. And and uh, hopefully the listener also uh, find it quite interesting. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.sightline.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Sightline podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.